0: Um, moving on then uh, yeah. to Matchday 37, uh, which happened uh, during the week, uh, started off with a two-nil win for Burnley against Norwich, yeah. and continued on That'll then be- to uh, Bournemouth uh, nil, Southampton two, which uh, was a pretty much a death knell for Bournemouth. It has to be said, like it was pretty, uh, pretty tough on them to lose to their um, to their South Coast rivals. So uh, yeah, it's not looking good for them, um, and they have uh, Everton in the final Matchday, which they could win, they could beat, but that's assuming like Villa and Watford don't uh, do jobs in their opponents either. So um, It's still all to play for, but I'm not confident for Bournemouth. I don't see them surviving. Yeah, no. um, so you think it's, it's going to be no.
1: Bournemouth and Watford to go down on the last day then?
0: Yeah, I, I think Villa's going to survive by the skin of their teeth, but I think they, they will.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, mm. they, can us, uh,
2: they can give us Jack Grealish in return for those three fucking points to keep them up.
0: Hmm. We'll see. I mean, to be fair, like. Do you want
1: to talk about that, Neil? What? Do you want to talk about that match, Neil?
2: <laughs> we can if you want. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's not and say we didn't. Um, Spurs then beat Leicester 3 0 in a game where Harry Kane ran a bit and scored two goals, which really says a lot about the Leicester performance. Um,
1: it, it was bizarre. I was watching this match until I got sick of watching Spurs do good things but not even that they were doing good things it was that like Leicester were being so shit mm. and i got annoyed by it and i walked out and then you you had message on to say that spurs had scored i'm glad i did wasn't there to witness it
0: <laughs> yeah that's fair because that's like, like Leicester were just really really like slow and that's been their kind of this the moral of their stories that they've been really fucking like tank cantankerous like they just haven't put the shift in um it it's like you expected the post
2: Says something about Soyunku that he was slower than Harry Kane.
0: Yeah, That <laughs> says a lot actually, yeah. Um I mean how is a midfield can you not track Harry Kane? A fucking articulated lorry reversing. Like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Um and yet like it does it it like based on form, like it looks like Leicester could fuck up the could End up in the Europa League because they face Man United on the final day, and Chelsea face Wolves. So that's still up to play for as well, like because there is a, a there is a possibility where that if Chelsea is in a losing position against Wolves, like Man United and Leicester could just contrive to draw and both of them get into the Champions League. So yeah. there could be a bit of chicanery there between Sharktooth and, and Ole. We'll see. It could, it could be a bit of a and
2: those matches taking place on the same time.
0: So at the same time, yeah, yeah. Well, ideally, but, like, work travels, like, it's an empty stadium. Brendan could just start shouting, It's
1: 2-0
0: Wolves! Right, lads, park the bus. Beep, beep, beep. Ollie's at the wheel. Right, come on.
1: Um, Remember when we were in the Emirates Stadium, Neil, and we were telling the stadium about Spurs losing to Uh, Newcastle on the last day of the season? Those
0: were
2: the days. (laughs) And we witnessed uh, Giroud hat-trick.
1: Yeah, and Arteta's last game as a player.
2: And last goal,
1: yeah. Mm. And Aston Villa uh, did a thing. <laughs> or did they? <laughs> they were, no, they didn't do anything.
0: They were there. They were
1: just there.
0: Yeah, they, yeah. they showed up. Yeah, that was all. And um, the other games after that match day was uh, Sheffield nil, Everton won. Uh, so was Brighton nil, Newcastle nil, and then Wolves to Palace nil. Um, again, it wasn't a very good match day, to be fair. But you know, it, they all happened. That's all that matters. Uh, moving on to the games that we are going to talk about. I think have already has already discussed this match already, but the 4-0 beating of Man City. Ooh, look at you. You can beat Watford the 4-0. Good for you. Um, away from home. Uh, how did uh, Hayden Mullins' return to the big job uh, work for you, Burtbaugh? Do you think he's, uh, he's manager material, or do you think Graham Stack's going to get it? Um, who? Great, that's good. That's all we need. Um, Moving on then to uh, Aston Villa one Arsenal nil. Uh, Neil, you've got this one. Can
2: we continue laughing at the fact that uh, Burkbot doesn't have a clue what she was talking about? Can we just do that for like, laugh at that for like four straight minutes and then just move on? No, um... (laughs) Jesus. Basically, this defeat now confirms that we're going to finish in our worst league position for 25 years. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Maximum of eighth, I believe, isn't it? Yeah.
2: So we'll finish outside the top seven, So we haven't, which we haven't done for 25 fucking years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just to really hammer home how fucking crazy the season is, it might still go down as a great plus because we could win the FA Cup. Mm. Um, it's, I suppose it's a testament to how far that we've yeah. fallen. Yeah, it's a testament to just how far... I think James McNichols made a good point. It's a testament to just how so far Arsenal have fallen in recent times that um, beating City or, and or Liverpool is actually a far bigger shock than losing to Villa.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, actually.
2: Yeah. Um, we went for 90 minutes with no shots on target against a team that had a, has a goal difference of minus 27. No, now minus 26. Mm. <laughs> Um, so like fucking hell like they could have they could have literally not fielded a goalkeeper and probably we'd have been all right you know we probably wouldn't have scored and also again i've said this before as well like we we looked like we could have played for another 90 minutes in that one yeah played with a massive low block
1: yeah we never looked like we were um able to shoot again like and it was Fucking Pepe Reina in goal I'm like all it would have taken was one or two shots and you know he's gonna fumble one of them yeah mm. Like, uh, oh, it's it really frustrating um but I as I mentioned I just this the last bit I, I know I've cut across nail, but um really. uh, the lack of urgency was really really frustrating like Ceballos so has done really well for us in the last few matches, especially against Liverpool and Man City, doing that, chasing down, getting the ball, retaining possession, and then, you know, trying to get a forward pass going. Every time he got the ball in this match, it was infuriating to see that he'd look up and there was no forward there.
2: Oh, Yeah, exactly. So Bios, I was about to actually chime in. I was like, Ceballos so was the only player who could walk off the pitch, bar maybe Martinez, because... You can't really blame him for the goal because Trezeguet absolutely whacked it. Um, it was just one of those goals he wasn't getting to. Uh, yeah. Like so by all of a and him, that's it. Everybody else can like. You can't even really blame legs because there were six changes made. And, yeah. Um, so like, I just, what the fuck? Like, by the end, we had almost every attacker we had on the pitch, but there was no real plan. It was just, let's get people on uh, and hope fucking something happens. Mm. And it, no, it was just, it was absolutely fucking terrible. And it, go, it this highlights, as I mentioned before, the reason why I didn't talk about it through the 2-1, lost the spurs was because this match highlighted it even more, was that we have no creativity in midfield. Yeah. What so fucking ever. And that feels so weird to say about Arsenal because we were the team that at one point I can remember us saying, even on this podcast, even as far back as when we were doing this podcast, we were a team that all we had were creative midfielders. Yeah. These are the types of players we used to fucking collect. Uh, like, we were hoarding them like some fucking crazy cat lady. <laughs> you know, I was going, what the fuck? Like, we we'd players like Nasri, all right, that didn't end well. Uh, fucking Fabregas, Cazorla, fucking all these different players, Riziki what the fuck? Like, we used to have like literally um, nothing but creative midfielders to the point where people were like, what are you hoping to do? Like We were literally going for, I remember Pep saying that his ideal team was a team of 10 midfielders and a goalkeeper um, who was
0: also trained as a
2: midfielder. So I was like, thinking, you He's know, he must
0: be stopped at all costs.
2: Oftentimes you'd look at the Arsenal team and you're thinking, are we actually trying to do that?
0: <laughs> we're, we're, it, it, it's a test. It's a proof that that is completely mental.
2: Absolutely, and now we've got no players. We've no creativity whatsoever in midfield. Mm. Um, the loss of Ramsey has really kicked the shit out of this team. Um, yeah, because I guarantee you, had he had this, had he been in this team, had he been playing, we'd have won this comfortably. Nobody. Wait,
1: I think that could be said for a lot of our games this season yeah. where we've been crying out for a ramsey player. And I think at the start of the season, either it was pushed to us by, I suppose, social media, it was that Ceballos was going to be this Ramsey replacement that we've been crying out for. Since we let him go for free, fucking Emery. Um, that, that just rots me. That is one of the things that I actually... Have not really recovered from um, as an Emery uh, thing that happened. Is that
2: it's also not something the team have recovered from either.
0: Yeah, like they didn't have a plan B for him. Like no.
2: But there's nobody running from midfield to overload in the box. So like even when we do get the, the like the thing about Villa is that all we did was just get out wide and sling in crosses. I was like, we don't have, Has nobody told these guys that Jiru doesn't play for us anymore? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah like, you're singing in crosses um and fucking Enketia is being marked by Tyrone Mings. Like fucking little and large shit there, like pal. Like yeah. we don't have an aerial presence, like if you've got Giroud, by all means get it wide and fucking wing in crosses. He'll get he'll get one of them in. Um and then he'll score a goal. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, was a, that was a sex joke, ladies and gentlemen
2: A very, very rude sex joke um, That I probably shouldn't have made Given that I'm currently holding my sleeping daughter um, It's okay, she
0: won't remember this
1: <laughs> Only remember the love of Giroud
2: Yes remember that. So yeah, like we were just And then that really kind of galvanised There was a point there That really galvanised Villa When they realised that we weren't going to do anything else Yeah And I think the same thing happened to Arsenal when we were playing City and, to a lesser extent, Liverpool. When we realised that they weren't going to... like, It's like, hang on, this is their plan A and they've nothing else. They've no no plan B. Fuck, lads. All we have to do is just keep clearing our lines and we've got this one. And as soon as they scored that goal, they literally... It was 11 into the box and we've nobody to pick that lock. And Mm. how you pick low blocks, how you pick that lock is you get your midfielders to run at them to pick up the ball and run at them and scatter to kind of just scatter the deer you know they could force men to commit and it's just it's ridiculous like we're only now we're now only a purely counter-attacking team yeah and um the funnily enough like even though he's been out in the wild excuse me this is a match i really could have seen Gwen Doozy doing really well in because there's, when he played, it could have been good, but he's decided to piss everybody off and left himself out in the wilderness. But yeah, he would have been one of the few players to have turned with the ball and ran at the, the low block that Villa had set up and really scattered them. Um, also, when we, got ball, when we were slinging balls in, he'd have been that kind of like late runner into the box to overload the defenders and really cause some panic. Mm. what Ramsey used to do Ramsey was just he, he just had that natural timing Is like right I run now I'm going to cause the most amount of fucking havoc in that box
0: Do you um. want make me what, what baffles me really is that like because like our transfer like saga so far has been like all Thiago um, for the last couple of weeks it strikes me that you guys are not linked to him because he no. seems like a really natural fit for you guys Not really Not enough.
1: that Kia Decorbian whatever his fucking name is client then we're yeah. not going to be
2: Kia um. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, we've not been linked with any kind of creative midfielders whatsoever, which is kind of really weird. I think more so we're focusing on fixing a kind of really leaky sort of defence, defensive midfield mm. before attempting anything. I mean, in all fairness, like we could find, we could have a lot of internal um, solutions to um, our creative midfield. I mean, Smith Rowe could almost definitely be it. They fucking love him at
0: Huddersfield. Mm. Yeah, um, I think Leeds want him next season as well. is the thing.
2: I, I'd really not let him out on loan. I'd really, I'd really take a good fucking long look at him. Well, not you're not know, going to get as much of a long look at him with the truncated preseason that we're going to give the full month. Yeah. Um, from the first of August to the twelfth of September. But I'd have a look at him on pre-season before loaning him out again. I mean, it'd be really, you know, Huddersfield fucking adore him. And not just because he scored the winning goal that sent him up. Um, or put him into the playoffs.
0: Kept him up, kept him up. Kept him up, yeah. So um, I think,
2: who was the previous Huddersfield manager? Was it Chris Sutton? Chris.
0: Well, it was David Wagner and then it was Dan, uh, Danny Cowley. And they just sacked him.
2: It was Danny Cowley who said, um, if you're a football fan, every time Emile Smith Rowe gets subbed off, you should be really annoyed. <laughs> he said, basically, he's like, Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they fucking love him. I, t- try and like, why not give him a shot, you know? Yeah, yeah,
0: he, anything's possible.
2: He can't, like, it, he, can't do, he can't do worse than nothing.
0: Yeah, true, exactly. I in a way that the pressures off for of you guys next season because you'd either get European football or you don't you know like you, you could go into next season completely like like with only Premier league games no, to no, worry no, about. no no
2: no going to next season with only Premier League football is a fucking pressure cooker of mm. pressure. <laughs> um, <laughs> redundancy yay <laughs> no like I, I think like you're saying oh if you don't have the pressure of European football trust me with our wage bill, our outgoings, you'll need it, like, don't having any of the extra ball, don't having any of the extra money coming in from European football, no, that is um, pressure.
1: Yeah, like, if we don't have European football, which is, you know, quite likely going to be the case, um, I, we're just going to have to sell half our squad and rely on our youth and, you know, our academy because... Now, it could work out if we've got some fabulous academy players like Saka. Uh, I do think Joe Willock has a chance to, I think he has a high ceiling. Um, Nelson could be one that I would be willing to sell. I don't think he's shown enough at the minute. Maitland-Niles is looking to leave, but if we can hold on to him, you know, there, there's um, there's. There's good players within the squad there now, but there's also players that can make us money. Yeah,
0: and that's have to
1: consider. Yeah, there's going to be that kind of aspect as well to, exactly. to consider. Like, are we going to keep? Are we go, like? Are we going to be able to keep Obamiang and Lacazette? No. And then, okay, well, what one do you get rid of? Which one do you get? You know, I personally would like to like to keep Obamiang, our club captain, but. More likely than not, he'll get the more money. So mm. do we go for selling him and keeping Lacazette? There's a lot of decisions <laughs> to be made by the club. So uh, it is going to be a very, very weird um, pre-season, start to the season and transfer window. It'll be, yeah. it'll be hard to see what happens.
0: And a lot does right on the FA Cup final, doesn't it? Like if you if you do lose that, then like Arsenal are in quite a lot of, uh, as you said, a bit of a, a bit of a jeopardy there and what to do. So huge amount, huge amount rides on it. Yeah.
2: So. Um, and what bothers me is that we've been in this situation before. Yeah. We're counting, we're counting on European participation arising from a cup final against Chelsea. Yeah.
0: It's just history, man. It just runs in circles. Um. Yeah. Any case, moving on then to the last two games we'll talk about-ish. Man United (laughs) held to a one-all draw with West Ham. Uh, Did anyone see the Pogba handball? It was very, very funny.
2: No, I didn't think that the the Hammers players were actually laughing at him.
0: He was genuinely... They lost their shit at him because, like, what happened was, right, it was a free kick for West Ham, and I think it was, I want to say, Sushek or Noble who was going to take it, and he properly leathers it, right? Um, I think it was like a layoff, and he just, like, Puts his foot through and hopes to be to head like on the top corner, right. Pop is part of the wall. He's the centerpiece of the wall, right. And he sees that the ball is going to like hit him, right. So what he does is like I'm gonna obviously you can't see the zoom call here, but literally he does this and like tries to block his face, right. But here's the best part, right. Hits his hands, right, and his hands hit his face like this. And basically slumps down as if his face has been busted by the ball, like this, right. And even like Gary Neville is like going like. Ooh, that looks sore. Oh, <laughs> and then those, and then VAR just like shows it in like frame frame by frame. It's interesting. ball hits hands and he's there like because Pogba's pretending he's been hit by the ball with his face and like and VAR is going like, uh, ref, you want to uh, have a <laughs> have a look at this one and literally like and immediately Neville just like fucking heel turns on Pogba. It's it's great because he just goes like, oh, that looks like a sore one. I hope he's okay. So he put his hands up for the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that was stupid
1: <laughs>
0: and like you, can ima- you can imagine Roy Keane there is like just like eating chairs in the fucking studio watching that you know Roy Keane <laughs>
1: is like I, I should have never showed him some GAA matches <laughs> Honestly,
0: that's all that was like it literally it was almost in- it wasn't like instinctive but it was like really like really stupid thing to do like like ultimately it didn't matter like, they, just, they just dropped points against West Ham who just packed up basically uh, and again just makes the, the top four race very very interesting going into the final day uh, yeah, exactly. last match day then we'll talk about that then yeah absolutely so the last one we're going to talk about is uh, Liverpool 5 Chelsea 3 um, which was our coronation day in that sense uh, last home game at, uh, of the season we had the trophy presentation we had the big Liverpool love fest and all this sort of stuff um, it was just capped off by a really fun game like really open from fucking great goals from both sides uh, I'm trying to think now because like Keita started off the scoring with like a genuinely. Whopper of a goal, like because then um, because we were, it was a fairly even start, and then Kate just kind of brought it to life by like just run the ball kind of again, like kind of what you guys were talking about, what you guys were lacking. You mm-hmm. know, like Kate just takes the ball, charges, and just hits it, just fucking goes for it. Very reminiscent of the Lacazette goal in the in the derby, where yeah. he just like goes, You know, I can be the keeper from here, yes, I can hit the keeper from here, <laughs> and uh, this is a great goal, you know, and he like. He beat Keppa as well. He was like a, t- a tall enough keeper, but beat, so hits him over the, uh, over the keeper like, which is great. And um, to be fair, a lot yeah, of the goals we, we scored were very good.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> um, and like again, were, uh, just the whole game was quite good. There was two very different Chelsea teams here. Like we were the Trent Alexander-Arnold goal free kick was absolutely sublime. I think it was made better by the fact that Frank Lampard was given out fuck beforehand. Uh, and there's a great clip going around of like someone sitting with the Liverpool bench and Lampard's just is going full Alan Partridge on the touchline going like you fucking you're, you're, you're a mentalist. And like, there's James Milner just going like this is fucking great shit. He's just, he's just there fucking applauding this. Like he's loving it. Like, um, Again Milner was great crack on the day because he was uh, filmed during the trophy presentation calling Man United Absolute Wankers. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not no, like no, Milner no, to no. say. No no he called them Absolute Fucking Wankers. Fucking wankers, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, it's very, very boring thing to say for him, from him, but um, but yeah, like the, the game was just great. It just, it was what it was played at a really nice pace. There was two two very different Chelsea teams here. There was a team with Pulisic and a team without Pulisic. We got the without first and put like four past them, and then he came on and like really, really bothered us. And um, I think this the goal he scored himself was because Gomez and Van Like. Collided with each other, which was real fucking Keystone Cop shit. Like we'd never done that before, and uh, and well, not when Lovren was on the pitch anyway. And uh, it was just like again, it was it made for a really fun match. And then the the, the goal that kind of finished off the game then was uh, was a great counter attack where uh, basically Robertson basically broke from like his penalty box and charged up the field. Like he was a full fucking seventy yard sprint, which I don't know how he's able to do considering that was like eighty minutes second last match day after playing like three or four games in, in two weeks. like The, the stamina was incredible. Uh, and uh, the great, the best thing about it was that Ox scored a goal but it was actually Curtis Jones who dummied it because he was in position. He was on the penalty box and like you think like okay he's just going to put his foot through it. No he actually leaves it for Ox, better angle, bottoms, buries it into the top corner and it was just a, a really fun game. And uh, just then, then we had the trophy presentation and I think at that point did it actually sink in that we were we were champions, like actually seeing them hold the trophy. And I have to say they actually did a, a really good job with the presentation because there were no fans and all that. So they made a, a temporary stand in the cop. They had a big laser show and uh, Kenny was doing the was handing out the medals and all that, uh garbed up obviously, because he was, you know, with the coronavirus a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, kinda had to be. Um but no, it was it was it was a good night. Like it was it was just a nice, enjoyable game and the afters uh from them was was great like Klopp was already hammered from like i think the end of the final whistle if not beforehand uh i don't even know if he was drunk to be honest i think he was just that happy um, no, and and they're all was drunk. He, he, he was definitely was drunk. drunk and, yeah. and uh, like i said they, they really did like um like really enjoy themselves because like you could see like uh because they had to wait so long for it as well not obviously with the 30 years thing but like haven't haven't having won it like like practically three or four weeks beforehand and now finally getting their hands on it, you know, just like it, it meant a lot to them. Uh, so yeah, it's, it kind of sunk in like Wednesday night that we actually were champions with a Premier League trophy that has our colour ribbons on it and we have the gold plates on our on our jerseys now and like it's, life is good, you know, uh, hopefully we can keep that up next season. Good God, I really hope we can keep it up next season. <laughs> We'll see. I don't, well, I
1: don't really see. Uh, yeah, I think we'll get onto it in our predictions pod maybe next week. But, like, um, yeah, I think you're good for challengers.
0: Um, mm, I think so. It, it's, so like, it, team it, team for not retaining, we'll be close to it. Like, Over so the team that you
2: played, I mean, Chelsea are already spent huge amounts of cash. Mm. Like, I think the official term is flipping great bodgers of cash. <laughs>
0: I do believe that is the correct term. Yes. Yeah.
2: Um. So they're they're buying in everybody, and they're looking to win everything next season. Good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um. City haven't really been linked with anybody, but you know, they only managed to bribe their way. Out, oh, sorry. They only managed to fucking <coughs> eat their way out of FFP sanctions only in the last month or so. So. Yeah, nobody was. I'm in a hell. They were linked more with players leaving than players coming in. Mm. Um. So now that that's all settled, they're just going to go on the fucking money offensive.
0: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, boy, am I glad to see that they are going to keep spending money. <sighs> anyway. Um because you know, obviously they can't do it uh, properly you know but uh, however so uh moving on then so that's our end of our rundown and uh, it means then we have to check in with our regulars uh, first off it's Var wars <coughs> So again, three match days to uh, go through here, but we have some developments in VAR Wars. Uh, we'll get through them first off. Match day 35. Uh, we get uh, There's two events to talk about here. First one is uh, a minus one for Aston Villa. The um, Jack Greedish penalty that wasn't. The hilarious dive where he actually stood on someone else's foot and fell over. But um, the, what,
2: me, what, what shocked me about that was the mental, the fucking verbal gymnastics the commentators went through.
0: Oh, yeah. Boyd
2: saying that he dived. Like, <sighs> call it a fucking dive, you tunt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he did, um, he, the penalty was rescinded after it was an almost certain dive in the box uh, from England's Jack Grealish. Uh, the other event then was uh, for Crystal Palace they also got a minus one as uh, their goal for, for Mamadou Sacco was chopped off because he handballed from his shoulder
2: oh yeah that's, that's, that was fucking
0: I fucking hate the handball rule lads I don't know if it comes across um,
1: it, it, uh, at the World Cup um, the Women's World Cup last year I was absolutely livid with the with some of the decisions and some of the goals that were given and penalties that were given because of this handball rule. And um, when I heard that the Premier League were not adopting all of the rules that were in the World Cup, I, I just assumed that would be one of them that would be gotten rid of because it was so counterproductive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it is one of the things that is really great on me as well. Now, it has hilariously cost Spurs a couple of goals, which, you know, I would forever be grateful for. But had that been... An, to an Arsenal player I would be livid so yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> swings and roundabouts uh, yeah. then it was a, a relatively busy uh, match day 36 then for VAR uh, four event, events in total uh, minus one for Bormut as the uh, Josh King who very much knew he was offside uh, it still had to be confirmed by VAR because he actually wasn't as offside as he thought he was uh, Stones nearly played him on it was just a matter of like a, a half foot so yeah um, like the way that like, kind of King just like sprung on the on the ball, you thought he was like well off, but no, they actually had to check it. So uh, minus one to Bournemouth, regardless. Uh, plus one dollar though, to Burnley uh, as the um, as they had got a penalty after there was a handball observed in the Wolves box, and uh, Chris Wood uh, capitalized on it. Uh, so that good for them, I guess. Uh, Crystal Palace then got another minus one, uh, two and a week basically, poor bastards, as uh, Jordan Ayew's goal was ruled really out for offside. It was marginal, but it was definitely offside. Uh, and then Man City, shockingly, got themselves a uh, minus one as well in that game against Bournemouth. Uh, it was the Gabriel Jesus penalty was rescinded after VAR said no fell, basically. Uh, it had looked like Jesus had, had fallen over, but actually just slipped on like Cook's foot. Wasn't technically a dive, he just lost, lost his footing and the ref had initially gave a penalty. So uh, it was just rescinded by VAR because it was a bit of a nonsense uh, decision. Uh, so, yeah, bad luck to them. Uh, then in match day 37, then, four events to talk about. Uh, another minus one for Bournemouth <laughs> as uh, Sam surge's goal was ruled out as Callum Wilson was offside in the build-up. Uh, then a minus one, then, for Norwich as uh, Emi Buendia's uh, uh, sending off was uh, very much confirmed for VAR because he tried to elbow his opponent in the back of the neck, which is, uh, you know, bad you know it's, it's, it's against the rules yes it's often frowned upon uh we actually did breeze over that match but like norwich had two players sent off in that because like yeah, their the, season
2: they ended with nine men and like nobody gives a fuck
0: yeah exactly um so uh c is in two years time norwich i guess but um then we had a uh, two some uh actual positive points to give out uh first one was to Southampton. As uh, their penalty, a penalty was given after handball was spotted by uh, David Brooks in the penalty area. Very similar to the Sacco one, They kind of like hit upper arm, but still given. Uh, so good on uh, Ings took the penalty, but it was saved. Uh, and then a plus one then to West Ham. We mentioned the Paul Bogber don't not the face uh, penalty oh, yeah. that was VAR approved. So that's a plus one to West Ham. So as we go into the final match day of VAR wars, we have a three-way tie. For both winners and losers of our wars, Ooh, so shit. the potential losers of our wars is Liverpool on minus four, uh, Sheffield United on minus four, and Bournemouth on minus four. So I also
1: st- jump in and say Sheffield are the most hard done by out of those clubs.
0: Yeah, we're we're gonna make, have to make a, call, a judgment call if we do have a tiebreaker, and I do I I'd be pushing on Sheffield here because they were dicked over big time, uh, especially at the end at the start of the season. So, I, I'd be agreeable on that one. Uh, we actually have three contenders to win VAR Wars, uh, which was uh, Man United on three, Newcastle still on three. But now, uh, Gay Crush in the party is Burnley. They're now on three points as well. So, again, we'll have to decide on who we think has benefited the most from VAR uh, yeah. uh, in our end of season wrap up. I'm sure that'll cause nothing but consternations in our non existent comment yeah. section. Um, Moving on then to uh, some developments lads with the P45 crew. I was hoping somebody was going to do the jingle. Uh, but yes, uh, shockingly, we are still getting sackings at this uh, late point in the season. Uh, we mentioned one of them already, which was Nigel Pearson getting sacked from Watford for having an opinion. Uh, two games after, before the end of the season, he was replaced by Hayden Mullins, who has been there. Um, and obviously the last game in charge was 3-1 loss to West Ham. So West Ham get the first kill of the season. Well done, lads, I guess. Uh, what well,
1: a hammer blow that was.
0: Ooh. Oh, oh, well, that's good. Now we we'll speak. Uh, here's a hammer blow for you, though. Uh, this sacking from the championship. Uh, Huddersfield Town sacked Danny Cowley after they won two nil, two one against West Bromwich Albion. They sacked him after that. West, Brom, West
1: Brom are like
0: they were second. Yeah, they were second um, in the league, and the they still, still
1: sacked waiting. him
0: for relegation.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, they still sacked him after that. And uh, the <laughs> Hudders... Yeah, it- it's weird. What's we- actually weirder, though, is because the Huddersfield fans themselves are really, like, flipped off about this because they replaced him with uh, a chap called uh, Carlos Cobran, Corbran, sorry, who is- was the Leeds United under-23 coach. So they literally sniped a coach from their nearest rivals.
1: Oh, damn. Mm.
0: Yes, Indeed. Uh, look forward to your life in League One next season, Huddersfield Town. Uh, <laughs> so, obviously that doesn't change things. West Prom will get the kill for that, as is West Ham. But our, still our five contenders for the P45 crew, Bristol City, um, Southampton, Trimer Rovers, Sulphur City, and Swansea. So, uh, we'll see how that goes for them. Uh, so, again, we'll have to make a judgment call and our end of season review. Who is the killerest of them all? Uh, do we have time for sad attack chat, lads? Yes, I think we do have time for sad attack. Um- so, normally... Uh, I actually do have five this time, so uh, let's see if you guys can uh, get this. My first question...
1: I I, think I can't.
0: <laughs> to be fair, you weren't in the room for the last one. You did pretty well, so, you know. If you, I mean, you can, come out, you can stay out of the room for this one if you like, because you seem to have good form when you're not here. So, you know, that, that's something at least. Uh, question number one. How many Portuguese players have scored a Premier League goal for Wolves? Oh. Yeah, lads. Starting off strong.
1: Is Troy Deeney
0: no. Portuguese? No. Wrong team. This <laughs> yeah. is the good team we're talking about. The one that's owned by, like, <laughs> by Jorge Mendes. All right. Go,
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go five.
0: Four. Five, four. You'd have to go a bit higher, lads. The answer was seven.
1: Jesus. Whoa.
0: Seven, yeah. So, in... Well, not necessarily in order, but it was Diego Jota, Jean Ruben Neves, Pedro Neto. Uh, This week was Oliver Podence. And uh, previously...
2: Fucking Portuguese.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I I thought it was Greek, but he he came from Greece. So that's what got confused people.
2: Least least Portuguese name ever.
0: (laughs) I know, it's weird, isn't it? The other two then were uh, Helder Costa, who's now joined Leeds. Um, he was on loan there and uh, Ivan Cavallero, who's uh, on loan at Fulham so uh, those are their seven so goal so far lads um, question number two two players have scored eight goals since the Premier League return more than anyone else can you name them two players two players have scored eight goals the in the Premier League yeah. since, since the, the restart, restart.
1: Um, Ings and Sterling Okay, we you going to lock that in?
2: Sure. I'll go with Sterling and um, Antonio, Michael Antonio from the Hammers
0: guy. Yeah. Uh, Neil is correct on both of them. Uh, Sterling and Aguero. Sorry, Aguero. Where am I going with that? Antonio uh, were the two players. So uh, Neil gets the full point. Burpall gets half a the point there. So, um, okay, at
1: least I have half.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll give you half one. <laughs> uh, question number three. Which goalkeeper out of Europe's top five leagues, has the lowest save percentage. So essentially I'm asking, who is the shittest goalkeeper in Europe?
1: I'd like to think this is like a a trick to make the save pick for it. Um, um, Oh, is this since restart or from the whole season?
0: Whole season. De you're going for the Gea interesting what about yourself Neil
2: mm, I would have gone with the Gea as well I'm not going. I was better, I was going to say I was going to go with the opposite I was going to go with Kepa Arezabalaga
0: so which one are you going to stick with uh, I'll
1: stick with
0: the Gea I'll and go. You're, well one of you is right
1: Fuck it's a Spanish
0: goalkeeper and it's Kepa Kepa is, uh, is the worst goalkeeper in Europe with a save percentage of 53.5%
2: he costs more than that in millions of pounds
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know there's something really bad about that isn't it like he literally only saves half the shots oh that's terrible fuck me
1: so, I actually think I have a better record than that
0: so, yeah in fairness like I know I do <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Neil, you're on two. Bertbot's on point five. Um, here's, a ch- here's a here's a here's a question for you from the championship. Who ended the season as relegated Hull City's top
1: goal scorer? OG own goals. Yeah. Mm. I don't I, 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 know, If not this
0: well done. If not, I just found this as a hilarious stat to prove how shit Hull City were this season.
1: Like, I don't know any Hull City people.
0: I don't know any Hull City fans either. Well, if it helps, this player is no longer at Hull City.
1: Like, this is, does not help me. I'm going to go on goal because that's the only person I could think could possibly score for them.
0: On goal is a solid player, though, in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> fuck I don't, I'm not I'll go with that as well because I own goals know. okay the answer is actually West Ham's winger Jared Bowen right what? he signed Now get this right he signed for West Ham in January for 16, 18 whatever, whatever million pounds right at the time he had scored 16 goals for Hull in the championship and he's still their top goal scorer
1: <laughs> by a
0: margin of 10 goals
1: Jesus. oh fucking hell
0: that's how bad Hull City have been. I don't think even On Goals is on the top five. That's how, that's how shit they've been. Wow. So, yeah, that's a bad one. Let's see if you can get this one. This player has played 12 cup games at Wembley and has never lost a game winning seven sexy. trophies in the process. Sexy Ollie. Sexy
1: Ollie. It's sexy Ollie. It's sexy Neil. Ollie.
0: Neil, do you want to agree with that? Or do you just disagree?
1: He's played twelve and he's
2: never lost.
0: He's played twelve like cup games at Wembley and has never lost one.
2: Yeah, it's it's Giroud. Like he's also like a fantastic scoring record. Like you think he's the second highest scorer in the, the competition's history as well.
0: And you're both correct. Yes, uh, Giroud is like I suppose statistically the best cup player at Wembley. If you want to put Just it that can way. Can I
1: get a bonus point for saying it first? Not- no. Yeah, I don't know. Well, saying it before you finish answering the que- asking the question.
0: No, <laughs> no.
2: For with with with, with rude, she always finishes early.
0: You <laughs> 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 we're, were doing so well in this podcast, but well, we always revert really to the mean.
1: Really was no. okay. I could
0: make these jokes while holding my baby daughter. So like...
1: <laughs> she's yeah, too young to. He's learning the sexiness of Giroudi. early.
2: learning, yes. Yes. I don't really bother learning that at five weeks old, though.
0: No, in fairness. Um, so, yes, the sound attack ends three to one and a half. Um, well done, to Neil. So, we just have enough time then, lads, for our favourite segment and yours, The Hand of Cod. This fella, Ronaldo... He's a cop. I don't care what he's got.
2: I thought he was fucking dreaded. Rob Liddy. He's the guy who ran away and left his wife for a young one. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh yay so who
2: wants to I battle think. first yes I'll
1: go, I'll go first so shockingly in a twist and turn of events my cod is John Delaney
0: <laughs> no what's happened to him now
1: um well okay um a, a couple of things uh as uh, I have mentioned I now play soccer I play well. football within the Irish league and with him gone some other people have taken it upon themselves to actually promote women's soccer and it's it's actually getting decent promotion there's being live streams of matches i have been included in live streams of matches there are people tweeting out this stuff didn't happen under John Delaney now i'm not saying he's directly involved with blocking this but in my mind he is Um, But that's not why he's my cod. Um, My cod, uh, John Delaney, has been talking this week about um, how unfairly he was treated by um, just the media. So he's kind of gone a bit Trumpian on this and kind of blaming the fake media. He didn't use the term fake media or fake news or... Uh, any of that, but you could pretty much see that that was the tone that he was taking. Uh, so this uh, this information that I'm going to be quoting from is from Quartz News Ireland uh, Twitter. And basically, the FAI are in court because of all of their dodgy dealings. And as a sworn statement, John Delaney has basically pleaded ignorant. Uh, that he didn 't know any of this was happening, and you know i he feels that he has been treated unfairly both by the court, who he feels hasn 't given him enough time to look over all of the evidence they have against him um and by the media for reporting he in one of my favorite quotes is uh, i 'm just getting it up here now um uh, since March 2019, over 1,000 media articles have been written in relation to me, which has had a huge negative impact on me and my family and his employment prospects. He is now having to work 60 to 80 hours on his new project. And I think just he's just insulted by the idea of having to work. I don't think the fact that it's loads of hours that he's working. I think it's just...
0: He also doesn't I specify sixty, eighty hours in what. Like, is it sixty hours per week or per month or per year?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, um, what he's w- currently working on is uh, uh, a a startup
0: porn business. on him.
1: A startup business, uh, which provides essential services to public bodies in the UK during the COVID nineteen pandemic. So, yeah, probably hookers. Um, to be fair. Uh, yeah. Or cocaine, um, Could both but um, yeah, no. He thinks that uh, all of these articles that are reporting on the things he did is negative to him, and he feels like he he's getting a rough deal. Uh, I think
0: I, I choose to believe that these lads don't know what witch hunts actually are. <laughs> so when like when 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 something happens to this like based this fucking like this slab of corned beef of a human being. Suddenly, just like, oh, they're all out to get me. They're, they're all, they're all going to get me. He's like, yeah, do you know why? Because you're a corrupt bastard. That's fucking why.
1: But uh, even like one of the things that he was like, uh, he was concerned that his rights may be infringed if he and his lawyers are not given enough time to inspect all the documentation and the amount of time allotted to examine the files, which he said was surprising and disquieting. So, disquieting. Disquieting he basically is, a word. is like, Shit, I thought I deleted all of that. How the fuck did they get all of that information? <laughs> you can just imagine like them wheeling in like truckloads of paperwork, which is like, here's proof of this, here's proof of this. And it's, well, I don't have time to read all of them. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I yeah, find so, that
0: I find that bag of evidence very disquieting.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, he's my cod because he has been caught out doing his dodgy dealings and has now gone up in court to say that he didn't know any of this was dodgy and also he doesn't know all, uh, all of that evidence put in front of him he doesn't have time to read because he's working he just, and he has to he's working so assignment.
0: fucking hard like it's like 60 80 hours a year man like, that's <laughs> no one understands the stress i go through you know
1: <laughs> so yeah that that's why he is my god
0: yeah well hopefully all that um, hard work puts him into an early grave the fat cunt uh, neil um, don't talk to real, talk about your cards which i believe is quite a real COD, if if you will
2: yes pretty much it's real madrid and barcelona basically um, uh, just basically just fucking they're just pissing money away and just the two two teams that are basically considered the pinnacle of the sport basically of football soccer um they're the zenith they are literally the twin prongs that we hold up and go, look, these guys are the fucking shit. We all remember the fucking Real Madrid Galacticos, you know, a team that looked like they were on paper was fucking invincible. You know, we all remember the Barcelona team that was widely considered one of the greatest teams ever assembled. Mm. Um, over the past two to three years, have slowly descended into <laughs> smouldering piles of absolute fucking garbage. Um, <laughs> Rayal are a fucking. They're they're it's a fucking clown card. They're fucking. The only reason Rayal aren't being ripped apart anymore is because things are going so badly at Barcelona that they're kind of using them as a kind of like human shield shit. made out of shit. Um. So. Um. The thing is, right, Arsenal are getting dogs abuse for keeping Ozil on our books because we can't get him off the fucking books, even though he's on 350k a week. Yet yeah, nothing's getting said for Real for having Bale on their books. They haven't played him at all. The last time he completed a full 90 minutes was January. Um, he hasn't scored a goal. He scored two goals, I think, last September. And that was it. He's not mm. scored since. Out of the available 990 minutes of game time... He's done a hundred of them. Um, he's not played in the last seven games. He's not made the squad for two. Um, and all you just need to do is look at the pi- the pictures of him during their celebrations when they won La Liga. Now, the thing is, also another reason why nobody's really slagging off Real is because they won the league. Yeah, Just the looks on him. He was just did not want to fucking be there. Why well, didn't just leave? And it's unbelievable. And the problem is they can't get rid of him. Last year, fucking Zidane said, I think it's better for everybody if he leaves. Uh, he was going off to China and then only for Perez to nix the deal at the last minute by demanding a fee. <laughs> so they were literally going to give him for nothing. They were just like, you take his wages off our books because they are paying him 30 million a year. Oh my god! So he's not going anywhere. He's contracted for another two years, so that's sixty million in wages <laughs> they're gonna pay to him for for him to sit, come in, train, leave, and play golf.
0: Yeah, and yeah. Um, he has a he has a he has a fucking sussed out. To be fair, like I mean, he doesn't give a shit. Like he's a fucking made man. Like he's, yeah, he,
2: mental. he's absolutely, completely, totally loaded, and. But the thing is, like, he can't be enjoying himself there. He just can't be. I mean, that med- the medal he picked up was his seventh major honour at Real Madrid. Seven. Mm. I mean, he scored in two Champions League finals, winning goals on both of them. I mean...
0: But he was never liked there. That was the difference. Like, there was always a culture against Bale because he wasn't Ronaldo.
2: He was brought in alongside Ronaldo, and he was fine then. Then when they got him to replace Ronaldo, he just didn't put the work... Well, the, the consideration was that he didn't put the work in because, mm. you know, he didn't really mingle that well with the other players and all this other shit. He always performed on the pitch, but it was a, more of a personality clash than anything else. And then yeah. Zidane came in yeah. and just, Zidane just will not play him.
0: That's the one criticism I have with Zidane is that you're either with him or against him. He's not very obliging in that sense. He, he will not if he, if he just doesn't like you, he will just sell you. I think that's one of his negative traits because, like, you have to have the team in his image.
1: With Zabias, like, that's one of the things that we could get a bargain because Real Madrid don't want him. Now, I think the player wants to go to Real Madrid, but, like, they don't want him, so... Yeah, Zidane really hates, the Dan hates
2: the bias. Actually, personally, does not like the fucker. So, the chance that we might get Zabias for, like... Zabias' so initial fee was 50 million quid when we took him on loan. Now, if any of the rumours have be believed... We could get them for as little as 20, um, which would be a fucking steal for a player of that caliber. Yeah. Um, that's brilliant. But when you look, that team's not got any legs. You, you look at them, eight players that hoisted that trophy are all over the age of 27. Mm. All right. Um, so it's just, oh, actually, no, sorry. When they won the 2017 Champions League, eight of the players were over the age of 27. So yeah. they're, all, they're all now into their 30s. And they're just like, fucking crap. Hazard has gone there and got done fuck all. He scored one goal. Um, even he himself has said this is the worst individual season for him ever in his career. He's never had a worse season in his life. Mm. In his first season at Real Madrid, for fuck's sake. Oh, oh my God. And he won the league. And they've
0: won the league. Yeah. Uh, it's, if anything, that's that's This is a real commentary on how poor Spanish football has become.
2: It's just, now. it's just a, how poor, like, Real and Barcelona Luka Jovic signed for 60 million yeah
0: Jesus, I about
2: him yeah he scored two goals
0: yeah it wasn't he lulled out then as well
2: it's ridiculous like it's crap and they're they're going all out for young hot young Brazilian talent and it's just not working out for them mm. so it's absolutely fucking terrible and they're only surpassing this terribleness pure terribleness by Barcelona
1: hmm and, a,
0: and, a, and an Atletico team in transition. Yeah, really. let's
2: go in like transition. So you can forgive a lot in transition, but you can't. You can't do that with Barcelona or fucking yeah, uh, Real Madrid. You know, um, Barcelona haven't promoted anybody from La Masia in fucking years. Mm. Um, they're just buying in all this shit, hot talent, and it's not worked. The last three transfer windows, they've spent over a hundred million on one player, and it's not worked out every single time. Um, Ousmane Dembélé is constantly injured. Uh, Filippo Cantinio is on loan to Bayern Munich because they just can't get anybody to buy him. They just can't find anybody fucking stupid enough. And I, by the way, commit that to record because I will firmly, I will firmly bite this bullet if it comes back to figure out that Arsenal are the suckers to take
0: him. Neil, I've been here before. Balotelli to Liverpool, do not do it. it yeah, no, all right, the then. universe will conspire against exactly, you. Yeah.
2: So it's a fucking... Like, like we, were,
1: we literally just spoke about how we need an attacking, creative midfielder, and there's, you know... Well,
2: he's, like, he's huge. Like, if we didn't have Ozil on the books, I'd say, oh, or if, I maybe, But hmm. no, it, it would be a stupendous amount of cash, and we, we can't spend it on him. We don't no, I don't money.
1: think we should, but his agent <laughs> is... Kiajir him There we go. So... Yeah.
2: And also, then, then you, their latest 100 million plus signing is Antoine Griezmann, who can't, who can't get his head game ahead of a man who was rejected by Middlesbrough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be fair, Martin, like, that, that Martin was always going to end
2: Here, Here is 2012 football summed up in a sentence that is completely 100% fucking true. Martin Braithwaite is keeping Antoine Griezmann out of the Barcelona starting 11.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Just end the whole fucking thing now.
1: <laughs> <That one left. laughs> like,
0: <who>? <laughs> <laughs> He's, he can't even speak. He's finished. That 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 sentence killed him. That was it.
2: Like, I can't, you can't even make any of this shit up. And even Messi's coming out and saying this, that they're a weak team. His last interview was fucking scathing. He's like a weak team. All you need to do is just apply a bit of intensity and run around a bit. And Barcelona will fucking grumble. That team's even more ancient than the Real team. Mm. All of them are in, all of them are hurtling towards the mid-30s and they are not aging well. You know? <laughs> all them sitting around thinking that they're going to age like a fine wine. Like, uh, well, if you... if if you mean age, but you mean it turns into fucking vinegar,
0: then yeah. Mm. So the, cur- the curious thing for me as well? Is that like because there's always been like a, a like a feeder system in Spain, where like like team like good hot shot players in like the lower teams get poached by the big teams, and it's like that. It's same in Germany, like they, it's same in Italy as well. For me, that's not really happening anymore because like all the hot shot players that are in Spain, and like Valencia have two in particular, like like Carlos Solar and Ferran Torres. They're not. Like being poached by Real or Barca, they're Man City targets, they're Man United targets. Like it does seem like like Spanish football looks like bit like a sinking ship at the moment because the two captains in charge are really like really fucking incompetent, you know? Because like because that's the way a hierarchy like that works. If if the big teams are not doing the job and not pulling in the the European accolades like Champions Leagues or Europa Leagues or whatever, then the whole league suffers. Whereas with it, with England, you could argue like it's it's because it's so flooded with money. That issue
1: doesn't matter. But also,
2: you know? like, but, also but also with um, the Spanish teams as well, Barcelona and Real are really struggling with cash as well. Mm. Real have said that, like unless they win the Champions League, they're going to have a quiet transfer window. You know, Perez has actually come out and said that they're yeah. going to have a quiet window. His exact words: "They're going to have a quiet window." Barcelona are up shit creek. They have to borrow the one hundred and five million that they spent on Griezmann.
1: Jeez. You know.
2: That's the reason why also they sold Arthur while he was still on the bench for a match. Um, <laughs> they, they traded him off for Pjanic. You know, they did this fucking ridiculous swap deal where they sold him off for 72 million and bought Pjanic in for 60. But it's not a, a swap deal with 12 million changing hands. It's a 72 million deal plus 60
0: million. Yeah, because they weren't done simultaneously.
2: The reason why Barcelona have to do that is because of a thing called Article 67 or Clause 67 in their, um, the club's contract. Now, the reason why Barcelona have 20 club directors, well, or they're meant to have a board of like 20 directors, is because if the club incurs any losses, the directors have to pay for them themselves. Ooh. Okay. So they were facing down the, they were staring down the barrel of a fucking huge amount of losses. And hence, the Arterdale was done. He is not. He is worth far more than the seventy-two million that they valued him as. The reason why they valued him at seventy-two million is because that was the that was the deficit. Mm. So the came right. said, "Give us Pjanic and nominally pay us seventy-two million, but in actual fact, you'll only be giving us twelve million plus a player who's 30. <laughs> Um and um, for a player that, like, Arthur Arthur like, by the way, Barcelona were playing him. He started in the Classico.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah that he was lost. one of the first teams. Yeah.
2: And he was, he was actually one of their only really good players in that loss. They lost the Classico. But he was one of their few very good players in that thing. And he was considered one of the shining lights there for the future. And now they've traded him off to fucking <laughs> Juventus, who have gotten an absolute, they've gotten a 30-year-old player who's rapidly rusting up off mm. their books. And they've paid essentially. They've gotten rid of an they've gotten rid of an aging player on a huge wage, and they've paid twelve million for this youthful, exuberant attacking midfielder, um, who's got huge amounts of years in them. Um, and they're not going And I guarantee you his wages are going to be less than what they had on Pjanic.
0: Mm. I mean, by a good substantial amount, at least.
2: If you're Uve, like you are licking your chops, you're thinking, "Oh my God, we've like." You know, you you know you've you've robbed a bank, and you know <laughs> you know they're they're sending you. Oh, by the way, you dropped all this cash on the way out the door. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's fucking crazy, and like it's just a te- that's that's a testament how poorly run those two clubs are and it's gonna collapse it really really
0: fucked it's is. it's coming it's getting there like and the like, if that's if that general trajectory continues like I, I mean it is going to continue because like how do you save yourself from that especially after a pandemic as well like the whole landscape of, of like spanish football perhaps even european football changes because it really exposes how poorly run those clubs are like, that, the money they would they get from, like, filling out the new Camp and Burnabout every week, a 100,000 people coming in, that really does help out the books. Now you yeah. don't have that, you know? So, yeah, it, it is going to drive them the big time. That's why we're not doing that much, like, transfer window-wise because, like, that's the way our business model is. We rely on the on the, the footfall. We rely on the business. So the footfall isn't there. We're not going to spend because we're not fucking idiots. It's going for, like, a team like Chelsea to do it because, like, they're all ol- they're oligarch-owned. So they're going to, like, get the money. If he has the money, he'll spend it, you know? Um, <laughs> it's funny I should mention owners, actually, because my uh, COD is very much related to that. Uh, when's the last time you guys have checked in on Sunderland? Never.
2: Not after I finished watching that Netflix thing.
0: Cool, because Netflix might want to cop- pop back in for the next season and the season after because... Uh, some of them have been looking for buyers for the last while and they may have found one.
1: Ooh.
0: Um, it nice? uh, I, it's not you. Although, for fairness, I think you might actually be more legitimate. Um, I am going to be able to marry now my two great loves, which is talking about shit football clubs and Formula One. Uh, oh. Who remembers Haas F1 last season?
1: Oh, God.
0: No. Who remembers Rich Energy? Oh, No. Rich Energy have a bid in to buy Sunderland. So, for those not in uniniti- for those uninitiated, me just, allow please,
2: me. Please tell me this is a story from one of your fucking Sega files.
0: Unfortunately, <laughs> if you check the Guardian right now, you'll see an article about it. And um, so. Rich Energy, right, is owned by a complete fucking charlatan called William Story. And hi, William. If you're listening to this podcast, I know you have a habit of uh, cease and desisting people who talk shit about you. Fucking come knock on my door and, show, and I'll show you a few stories about how much of a prick you are. Um, so the story about, about this is... I'm kind of,
1: <laughs> <Ew>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, right? This all the reason I brought this up was because of a Formula One. Was that last year uh, Has F1 signed a uh, a livery deal with Rich Energy to basically change their uh, team colours from their kind of white, grey, and red to black and gold, which is the Rich Energy colours. And it looks it like Rich black and gold have always been a great car look uh, look for a car. Like it's always been successful. And so they've obviously thought, like, oh, this looks cool. This looks like chic and all that. And there's the Rich Energy logo planted everywhere. And then William Storey, who's the CEO of Rich Energy, fun fact about Rich Energy, um, he is CEO. And an anonymous Austrian scientist is the co-owner because he made the formulation for Rich Energy, which is still protected uh, by a, a patent. So we don't know who made Rich Energy. We don't know what Rich Energy is made of. We just know that it exists. Um, and that's all that people should know, according to this fucking uh, caveman, uh, Rich William Story, because he looks like one from the fucking like, wacky races, uh, kind of appropriate in that sense. But so during the season uh, last year in Formula One, uh, William Story pulled his funding for Haas F1, citing that they weren't being successful enough on track, with like, Haas are one of the back markers, so they are going to struggle for points and all that. Uh, and it, it was it, it, well, the way he painted it was that it was studied the case that Hats were start off strong and then tapered off. But if you re- watch the uh, fantastic Drive to Survive Netflix series, you'll see the man, the legend, the myth that is Gunther Steiner saying, right, wankers, here's the real story. Rich Energy pulled the money from the start of the season because they wanted to buy an F- F1 team, not sponsor one. They wanted to buy Williams. And Williams said... Fuck off! We don't trust you, and rightfully so. They wanted yeah. to buy Racing Point and our Force India at the time, and they said, say, "Fuck off! Like we don't India? trust you." Yeah. yeah, like literally, like uh, Lawrence Stroll, who owns Aston Martin, by the way, literally went. Haha, that's nice. Get the get the children out of the room. Here's your money, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, that's basically how it went. So Haas was their third choice for F1, right? And because like they were down the field and they weren't getting the money that they wanted, they pulled the sponsorship. But, again, the real story to that was that uh, <laughs> Rich Energy were getting sued because they nicked their logo off white bikes. And if you look at the logo, it's exactly the same. It's like a, kind of like a reindeer antler-type formation with like a, a central like point down. So it's exactly the same logo. And during the British Grand Prix, they were, getting, they were in court like, disputing this claim. Um, and around the time then, this is when the money was pulled. So William's story is a bit of a joke quite honestly. He's a, he's a complete and utter spoofer, a charlatan, like something that fucking Alan Partridge or Chris Morris would have made up, right? Like he is not a real human being. And to be fair, like the, he comes across like that in the, in the F1 documentary because like he's there for like two minutes going, I think Haas is going to be a strong team this season. And you don't see him ever again. Like it's literally <laughs> the only time he makes himself available for the documentary because he's been caught out by literally every smart person in the business. Fast forward in a year, and Sunderland are desperate for buyers. And Rich Energy tweeted today that they've signed an exclusive sponsorship deal with Sunderland on the eve of them potentially taking over the club. So not only has the deal and takeover not actually happened yet, but Rich Energy have, or have done an early announcement of it, and William Story, the prick himself, has tweeted a picture of the Sunderland jersey with Rich Energy all across this, the, the jersey. Right? It looks awful because it literally looks like Rich Energy has been like stuck onto it. Like you know like how like the <laughs> like the Newcastle jersey looks with the awful fucking fun eighty logo stuck onto the stripes. Yeah. It's the exact same thing, except it's so like obtuse that it looks so like out of place. But this guy tweeted this. Like the bid is not official. He just said, We have signed up with Sunderland. Here is the jersey. And like literally every Sunderland fan who will you can actually separate the, F, the, the Sunderland fans who have either watched F1 or at least the documentary, and ones who haven't. The ones who haven't gone like, this is brilliant. This is just the stimulus package the club needs to get us back into the Premier League. And then everyone in the know goes, mate, I, I have a cup of tea. I need to sit you down here and talk to you about this. This guy's a joker. This guy's a complete joke. And like, the, the fact that they, I had to bring this up because it broke today. And like, I guarantee you like, tomorrow or the next day, everyone will have debunked this and said, yeah, this takeover isn't actually happening. All how Of much, that was bullshit. Yeah,
2: how much would you get for Sunderland? How much is Sunderland even worth now? This is problem, <laughs> the problem.
0: Here's the thing about that like, like, their evaluation has gone rapidly down. I think Stuart Donald, the their owner now, has uh, bought them for a hundred million. And the reason, like, it's so high comparatively, was because of the training facilities. They have some of the best training facilities in England, so the stadium uh, as well. The stadium, as well, it's huge. Um, but in the time that Stuart Donald has been like in charge, like he's done a very good job of downscaling the club, uh, because obviously it's a League One side, League One budgets. So he has he has to keep the the club uh, sensible. A uh, League One
2: side that could potentially house like seventy thousand fat was it like 40,000,
0: 40, yeah
2: forty thousand, which
0: is yeah it's unusual. But the problem is like they they don't have the the TV money that they would do to supplement that. So they are a big club, but so is Bradford, so is Portsmouth. Like these guys are still. So to make ends meet because, let's face it, no one watches League One. So, like, he's had to sell off stuff. Like, they had a cryotherapy chamber they'd never used, so they sold that off. They sold off their main players, a lot of players on loan, that type of deal. And then suddenly, to kind of get the the fans hopes up by saying, "Oh yeah, we have new owners in this guy." And then everyone re- frantically doing like backup background checks and realizing, "Oh God, he is far worse than what we could ever have possibly had." Like Newcastle about to get owned by Saudi blood money killers. And yet I'd rather have them over this. Like, this is this is the, the reality they're living with. Like that's yeah, this, this is, is the only way
2: you the only way you can make a steal any dodgers if he also suggested that they build a monorail.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Made out of energy drinks. But here's the thing, like, this is just this a style of a musical. Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing about this. This is just another fucking chapter in how deplorable ownerships of football clubs is in the EFL. Like like two weeks ago, I was just talking about how Wigan was shafted by its own owners to get relegated so they can win a bet in the Philippines and win like spend like what could have been an an, a, an upward turn of like sixty million because they certainly they turned up their they relegated their own club. That's just another chapter in what is a very fucking pathetic story about how the EFL do not fucking care about their own clubs. For, uh, uh, for They don't. Like an institution who goes on about the 72 clubs and the heritage and the history of all these clubs, like North County, in the conference, okay, we can't deal with them, but point outstanding, all these other teams with great heritage, like Forest Green Rovers and Salford City, yeah, they have history-ish. And um, like... What the fuck is your problem like? go Come in and, and stop having these cowboys come in to run your fucking clubs. Maybe, here's a stupid idea to keep your league going. Maybe not have professional poker players run your clubs. That's a good idea. Maybe not have Egyptian fucking oligarchs run your clubs. That's a good idea. Or maybe, just maybe, not have absolute fucking spoofers like William Story come in with his fake fucking pyramid scheme of a company suddenly try and run a football club because he made a tit of running an F1 team. Like, maybe, just maybe, deal with the incompetency you have at the top, and maybe this shit doesn't happen. But I have to share that one for you, lads, because that one, that, Sunderland in particular, like, I beg to God that makes the next documentary, because I would love the interaction that William's story would have to do with the Sunderland fans, who can see to his bullshit almost immediately. Like, are you doing a season three of that? Oh, I hope so, man. I, yeah, I think they actually are signed up for it because um, like that's like legitimately that's like their only source of income at this point is that netflix documentary Is <laughs> <laughs> literally they're literally with netflix basically yeah well they should have to be fair like i mean although they could like turn heel and just sign up with amazon prime or something that would be great fucking crack <laughs> wouldn't it but like truthfully like that that's like it's if you're a Sunderland fan you're there looking like this could not get possibly any worse oh wait it has <laughs> We're now property to laughing stock of not only England, but also all of Formula One. Like, it's deplorable, really.
1: Yeah. Like, when, when it combines your two favourite things, which is football and Formula One, and it makes a shit show out of both of them, like, it's always going to be your pick for pod, it's a pod,
0: It's a curious Venn diagram, I'm not going to lie. But, jeez, um, I, I never thought I'd be able to combine the two together. But, you know, strange times and all that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that leaves us then to decide what our cards are, lads. Uh, I'm going to put my cards on the table, uh, and I'm going to go for uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid because we've been spoken speaking at length about how like incompetent those two teams are, and they're really not stopping at this point. Like really, like the bubble could burst in Spanish football altogether, and fucking Getafe could win that Liga next season. It's just it's that bad. Um, yeah. to be fair, any team that is competent. Right. Can run yeah, right. in Yeah, like something like that. Uh, Villarreal, Valencia, Sevilla, any team that has competently run could win La Liga next season. And Not Villarreal,
2: because because they reappointed Unai Emery as their head coach.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, rescind that one. Um, Valencia, oh my Peter are lame, they're fucked as well. So Sevilla, lads, right? We're all getting on the Sevilla train.
1: Sevilla and
0: and, uh, fucking Ibar. Yeah, Ibar is a team to go for, lads.
1: Santi Gazzorla left. Just as you know, Emery was like, "I'm out of here." If he's he going,
0: he fucking knew, man. He knew. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going for I'm going for Spanish football generally there. And Berko, well, yeah. what about yourself?
1: Yeah, no, uh, Spanish football and Real Madrid's shithousery. Uh, <laughs> like, I like the story. Uh, see, I don't really like Sunderland, so if they go to shit, I don't really care.
0: Yeah, that's so, fine. Yeah.
1: And that—that's I. I drama of it is probably better than what you get on the football pitch with them so
0: oh definitely yes <laughs> um so that obviously neil you have won the cut again this week um what would you uh what would be your votes well i
2: can't I cannot ever resist I... a cracking shot at
0: John Delaney <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah in fairness like it's he's a pretty easy fucking target like
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah that's fair
2: yeah, the hardships of John Delaney is like my catnip.
0: Yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's a, if anything, it's a nice bit of shat and friday now for us after years of suffering. So uh, it's great. In any case, that's um, that's the end of this podcast, lads. Uh, again, thank you for listening to both parts of that. Uh, we've had a very jumbo rundown. Thankfully, we've caught up to all the football and we've only got one more to talk about, which we'll do our end of season ro- uh, review uh, next week or week after whenever we're all free. And, um, but uh, thank you for all for listening, and uh, we'll we'll uh, talk to you next time. From myself, Jonathan, Burpa, and Neil, uh, and Erin. Let's not forget the baby, the, the baby in the corner that Neil is pointing to on camera because you have to get her into. Uh, it's nice and equal now. We've got two women and two men now on the on the on the yeah. podcast. It's great.
2: <laughs> well, oh look one, are- one's five weeks old. <laughs> one five, yeah, one 5 week goal and the other is the mentality of a 5 week goal
0: <laughs> yes that's true that's only when she's talking about though. in fairness um, so alright so, guys uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on Liquid Football until then
1: bye, bye. bye.